0: Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not
1: the same old thing. Different. Different. This
0: is NOCO FM. A soft kiss. A kind word. A few small gestures of kindness. It seems like those would be simple things, simple behaviors... That would make love last and yet those are actually the essential ingredients that really help prolong and enhance our loving relationships ellen watchtel has a phd in clinical psychology from new york university as well as a law degree from harvard law school she has been a couples therapist for over 30 years and taught thousands of couples how to have a loving relationship that will endure through the decades She shares these insights in her self-help book, We Love Each Other, But. Dr. Wachtel is in private practice in New York City and frequently gives workshops both at home and abroad. And I'm so excited to have her here on the show tonight. So join us as we talk to Dr. Wachtel about making love last. This is The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. I'm so excited to have you here on The Spark with us, meeting with us from New York City. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Oh, it's really my pleasure. You have a terrific show. I've listened
0: to several of your interviews, and it's just just great. So I'm very happy to be here. Great. Well, today we're going to be talking about um, your wonderful book, We Love Each Other But... Mm -hmm. And really talking about you know, making love last. I think I was sharing with you a little bit before the interview, how much I just in- enjoyed listening to that book. And I have sent it to several friends and even sent it to my children. So um, it's That's a wonderful book. That's wonderful.
1: Makes me very happy. It's that, that book has meant a lot to me because I, I know it's been helpful to a lot of people. So I'm, I'm happy to hear you liked you know.
0: it. Thank you. Well, and so the other thing is that, you know, it's, it's, it was a wonderful beginning to the book where you were talking about your own personal experience. And I thought that was, okay. it was such a neat thing that you shared, you, this candid piece of you, the things that, that you and your husband don't have in common, um, you know, that it, it didn't, paint this picture of an idyllic relationship that it was just real right yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah no it it, it is real and it and marriages go through stages and uh, rough times and better times and um but i i do think I, as i said in the beginning of the book i i think it's it's what you focus on and we have been focusing much more on the things that work well and the commonalities rather than on the differences and the things that don't work well. Yeah, so.
0: Well, and and share a little bit about that story because you all met at a pretty young age. And yes, um, yes. can you talk a little bit about your courtship and, and what brought you together?
1: We, we met on a blind date, amazingly. <laughs> and I, even though... Uh, um, you know, we were relatively young. I was in my early twenties. I—I I was in an era when I think we were both ready to meet somebody. We, you know, and 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 this person just seemed so right. Um, so really, by the third date, we were talking about getting married. We didn't get married for a couple of years later, but we thought about it. And um, in many ways, I—I I, I do often ask myself, uh, because so often when people marry relatively young, um, they marry the wrong person, <laughs> you know. But I don't know that it's it's a, always a question of the wrong person. I think we worked out a lot of issues over the years, and it was um, a basically good feeling about each other and that worked, you know, that worked.
0: You know. Well, And how long have you been married now? Oh
1: <laughs> over fifty years. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> over fifty <laughs> years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Um it's been a long match. I have to say, and I mean this hundred percent and I reassure patients about this. We really enjoy each other. We really have fun and that's something that doesn't just happen you make that happen and there are things to do your whole life every single day of your life that makes marriages work and I think we do it so we actually have um, we still have really a lot of fun together.
0: I I can see that even in your face as you talk about it you just kind of light up. Yeah, I feel that way,
1: I feel that way. That I is feel. neat,
0: because we, we do go through so many just developmental stages through our 20s and 30s, and I mean, every decade brings us new challenges, new self-discovery. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I think when people have young children, there are all kinds of stresses on relationships, older children, dealing with teenagers, emptiness, I mean, there's so many things. That um, that just require uh, solutions, but but I really think that there are certain fundamentals and certain things that if you keep in mind and you do them every day of your life, that all these stages kind of you, you can you can master them <laughs> and still be a close couple.
0: You know? Well, and so you have been doing couples therapy and you do couples workshops. How, how long have you been a couples therapist?
1: Well, you know, it's always hard to say because you start with um, when you're in training. In the late 70s, I was in training and family I was getting training in family therapy and um, and I worked with, uh, I also worked with lots of families with young children, and for many years had a, did a lot of work with families with young children. But over the years, um, I, I'm um, like, decades I've been working with couples. I'd once try to calculate it, I, I know I've seen. I don't know, well over a thousand couples, probably closer to 2,000 couples. It's a lot of couples. Yes. (laughs) I love love the work, I absolutely love the work. You know, I'm at an age when I could retire and people are always, people call me and are, oh, I'm so glad you're not retired yet. I could retire, I don't retire because I really love doing the work, you know, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, love is the only game in town. And we're, everyone's, it, it seems like no matter what comes in and out of vogue or, you know, what's in fashion, relationships are always going to be a huge thing in our world and, and the most important thing. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, and I loved what you shared before the interview when we were just talking about, I've been a couples therapist for only 12 years now, so I'm I'm still fairly new to the game. Uh or to the practice, I think I more accurately say, um, but like you, it's such dynamic work, and I absolutely love my couples. I love my couples work.
1: And do you find? I know I said that when we were chatting before. I find I learn a lot from couples, and it's improved my marriage working with couples. I really feel that way very strongly. You know, do you find that yourself? That you
0: absolutely. Yeah. You know, you you get to witness other people's, you know, it's like we get this unique window into what makes people tick and then what becomes, you know, their roadblocks or their stumbling blocks. And then we can reflect on our own relationships and say, boy, I want to be mindful of that or I want to be more intentional of that or I want to avoid that.
1: Yeah. 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 Exactly. And you see not only your own things that you need to improve, but I also see sometimes wonderful qualities in couples that I want to emulate that they have, you know, they're there because they have problems. But there's always lots of strengths, often lots of strengths in couples. And sometimes I see things and think, oh, I
0: want to be more like that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Things that you do want to emulate. And that was one of the things in your book you, you talked about during the first session talking about what drew the couple together. And, and I really resonated with that because I do that first session as well. I, I have them practice telling each other, th- this is what it was that I fell in love with you for. You right. know, this is what it was. And it, I mean, oftentimes, lots of tears, you know, these wonderful smiles and exchanges, because maybe they haven't been nice to each other for months or even years right. or heard this positive.
1: Right, 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 right. And then I I always follow up with those things that you fell in love with, those qualities that made you not just date, but think you could really have a life together. Do you still see any of those, even though you're having a lot of trouble? And often people say, well, of course, of course I still see, of course I still see he's a very good person or he's this or that. And, and, you know, it's not just the historical feelings. They they still, but people lose sight of those good good things because they get so um, bogged down in, in the things that are problems.
0: Well, and that's, I, I love that. That's such a brilliant follow-up question because I think that's right. We, we forget or we take for granted how our partner's been. And so to be intentional and say, wow, you really are still that person in all these different ways. And to acknowledge that and to affirm that to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But I have that same experience you have that people are so moved. And often they really haven't... They just haven't focused on these things and they haven't heard it. And they're, sometimes people are hearing it for the first time, you know, because when you really asked for the deep feelings about what drew to you together. And not just the surface, but the deep issues, the deep things that made the person feel they could make a life with you. And it's very, t- you know, I have the same experience you do. It's very touching. You know?
0: Well, and that it's, I, I think one of the things I appreciated about what you said, too, um, in the book is you talked about, not giving the superficial answers and to be very specific because that makes it more authentic. Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, yeah. you start diving in deep right away. Yeah. 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 And so if someone's not going to the therapy office, but they're going to read your book and work on their relationship what would you encourage them to do
1: well i i think you know one of the reasons i wrote the book was that many times I would step back from my role as couples therapist and you know as a couples therapist. You know we we do certain things, we look at patterns, we look at vulnerabilities, we you know we do all these things. But many times I would step back and say, you know, you don't really need all this training to to say what I'm going to say to you. I mean, maybe your grandmother could have said this to you. And I would give some very specific advice on like how to have a loving relationship how to be loving how to make it last and people would just like uh, like a light bulb would go off they would be so happy for that so the advice the first piece of advice uh, and sounds so obvious is that to always remember that we fall in love with people who make us feel good about ourselves. That when you meet somebody and you fall in love, they made you feel good about yourself. And that really, every day of your life, you need to continue to make your spouse feel good about itself. Now people will say, but what if there's a lot of things I don't like, right? And I often will say, well, there are things that you don't like and we're gonna talk about them and work on them. But just as with children, for people who have children, there may be things that you want to work on that are annoying about your child, or you worry about. But you, for most parents, you know, you still know you love them, and you give, you say lots of loving things. Like you could say lots of loving things, and still be very frustrated that your spouse acts a certain way and does a certain thing. So i i really i think many couples who come to me one of the biggest um things that people voice when they feel so despairing is i don't even know why he's with me i don't even know why she's with me i don't seem to make her happy there's nothing she seems to like about me (laughs) you know people everything i do is wrong you know and and you know and it's It feels terrible to think that you're not making your spouse happy so the first piece of advice is that you need to keep in mind that love lasts when every single day you say something you do something that makes the other person feel good about himself that enhances the other person's self-esteem and this is something i see this sounds like a big general statement but they're very specific things but like let's say you've had a conversation the night before about something and the next day you say you know i was thinking about that point you made the other night that was really interesting or that was really uh, it made me stop and think or you know or i was i was thinking about um, how you handled this uh, conflict at work the other day. That was really impressive how you handled that. And it's, you, so you make it very specific and you around and you look and notice things that you can give very positive feedback about. Um, So, you know, I do a little exercise sometimes with couples and I'll say to them, so when you leave this office, you're going to take the elevator and go down to the street and then, you know, walk to whatever you're going. I want you to have a mental set of trying to notice anything that your partner does that um that's kind of positive you know maybe they chat with somebody on the elevator maybe they hold the door for somebody as they're walking out maybe they i don't know you know they just do just like in like it's a little mental exercise to try to notice good things and not to be ridiculous and co- give constant feedback, but to give feedback about you know, yeah, you're, you're such a friendly guy, you're so good at small talk or, you're so um, you know you, you handle such and such so well. And, and so that's step one that really every day of your life together, you need to be thinking that how do you make the other person feel good?
0: So in and, and
1: and your that- many.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like that's that's a major skill and sometimes I mean it's it's simplistic, but it's it's major in far as far as importance in the relationship. It's it's putting that deposit every day in that emotional bank account for each other. I like
1: that way of putting it because it is it is like a bank account that when you have enough in there, you can it doesn't mean it, it, it means that when there's things you don't like and when things that you talk about or problems that have happened, that there's a, a you know a bank account of, of positives and and love there, you know. And it, it, it's see, it's not, it's a skill in how to do it, but it's a general attitude, it's like remembering somebody. If you want somebody to love you forever, you have to make them feel good.
0: Well, that, that's just it. And part of that sounds like its it, it takes some skill of dropping out of your own ego and you know, really being intentional about thinking about the other person. And I really liked one of the things you said later in the book where you talked about, you have to practice these things even if you're not getting it back from your partner.
1: That you practice it. Look, if you never got it back, then the marriage is in real trouble. But sometimes one person just has to start the ball rolling, and that eventually these things, you know, will come back. That, okay. that it will come back. But if it's then you, then if if you were doing that and it wasn't coming back to you. That would be a sign that you should go to a couple's counselor. You know, you don't need to go to a The book is, so you need to go to a couple's
0: counselor. But if you felt like you're, you're trying, and all the time, then it's not working. We're, we're talking about things that people can do. We talked about the importance of really just being intentional and saying, mm-hmm noticing the positive things about your spouse. And it's really, it's, it's paying attention is what I'm hearing so that it's not some superficial, like, Oh, you look nice today. It's like, Oh, I noticed this thing about you or. Right. So it's, it's, it is some intention.
1: Yeah. That's a very good way to put it. That's exactly right. Really paying attention in a different way. Um, you know I start my book I, I remember by somebody gets frustrated they're always saying do you love me and I said yes I said I love you over and over but they're not feeling satisfied because there's not enough detail and it doesn't feel like they, I love the way you put it the partners really paying attention really noticing really you know zeroing in on the things that um, that
0: that make you feel good yeah, so it's it's this you know, I, I think the the piece that's important that I wanted to talk about too and make sure that it was on this recording was the part of how important it is to to kind of drop your ego and as you said, mm-hmm. if you know, it's okay to be the first person initiating. You want to break this habit or kind of this static system that you've gotten into where things aren't changing. So it takes one Mm -hmm. person to be create courageous, step out of it Mm -hmm. and, and begin this new Mm -hmm. positive behavior. And, and what you were speaking to is that if someone doesn't reciprocate it, then maybe that's a time to go to therapy because the relationship's in trouble. It takes
1: a while. Right. I don't think you should expect immediate results, but I think if after a while, you know, a few weeks, uh, maybe even a little longer, you're not starting to feel a real change, then that probably is the time to go to couple therapy. And and there are other things besides this um, expression of uh, appreciation and making the other person feel good. I, I think people... They, that if you search inside yourself, you know the kind of things that makes your partner drawn to you, that makes them feel warmly, that brings them in, that you know that when you were dating, you used to do, and that made the person just feel they want to be with you and be closer to you. So it's also doing those kind of things that um, you have gotten out of the habit of doing.
0: So it's not just words; it's behavior as well.
1: Yes, it's it's behavior, it's doing, and and and, and it depends on the person because for some people, it's it's the um, the behavior, you know, doing something that you know makes the other person feel cared about. You know, I I think I talk in my book. My husband always <laughs> lays out my vitamins for me. It's a oh. little ritual. And, you know, and it's just like, oh, that's nice. He just, that's something he just does for me. But so it's offering, you know, you're making um, yourself some, something to eat or you, you go into the room where your spouse is and you say, uh, I'm making myself the snack. Would you like some? And, you know, just that. So for some people, it's, it's, it's those kinds of gestures for other people. Um, you with know, spending, quality time with them and you know there's it depends on the person but it's it's looking inside yourself and this goes back to your point which i think is very important that you're emphasizing that it's one person has to start the process going usually and if you are unhappy in your marriage or something's going on you have to say what can i do that will warm my partner's heart. What do I know about him? It, you know, if I, you know, what, what makes him feel good? What would warm his heart uh, or her heart? You know, and, and, and just, um, you know, just go inside yourself and try to remember the things that used to work that you know was part of what made you form love.
0: Yes. And I, and I love the thing that you had mentioned earlier as well, which is, I I think even if there's things that are still driving you crazy about that person and things that maybe you're not so happy with, that it doesn't have to be black or white, that, that it really, we can exist in this place where yes, there are things that still bother me. And I'm going to find these things that are good. I'm going to try these behaviors that I know make my partner feel loved.
1: Right, right. I think that's very important. Um, and, and, you know, people, some people sometimes think, well, if I act in a loving way, then I'm acting like these other things don't bother me. But that's not actually accurate because the more, as she said earlier, the more you have in, in that bank account of love, the easier it is for, the other person to hear that certain things that you wish were different or that you're longing for that bother you because it's in the context of that person feeling um, very valued. You know, you actually hinder your chances of getting more of what you want when you are afraid to express the positives for fear of, Um, you know, minimizing the importance of things that bother you. It it really works the opposite way.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how, as you say that, I think, some people may think, oh, I'm giving up my power by being nice. And in a Uh way, you actually are gaining self-power because you are making the choice To exhibit this Mm -hmm. kinder behavior. And in in turn, it's opening up this communication flow and this warmth again that really could change the relationship. So to me, that's that's really where the true power lies.
1: That's right. I totally agree with you. You have a lot of power, not total power, but a lot of power to create a good relationship, to make a relationship go well. And... To get the best out of your partner, to 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 get the things that you want, you have a lot of say in it, a lot of power. What what won't work is being critical. Mm-hmm. That you know that doesn't work. But but that doesn't mean that you can't have things that bother you. But it's that in the but if you if all you do is say what bothers you, it's it's terribly sad. I, I find that so sad sometimes when couples describe really having such good things in the beginning and there's really so much that's good there, but they each are feeling all they get
0: from each other is what's wrong Mm -hmm. and it's sad. In your experience, how does love unravel? What causes love to unravel?
1: There are a couple of things. One is, uh, I think that what I said earlier, people forget and, and I, it's the most important point for me is that people take each other for granted and forget that love has to be there all the time, that the expression of good things and that being the other person's fan club and seeing making them feel good about themselves. And I think it unravels because we forget that To pay attention, as you said before, to pay attention. And then when life stresses enter um, and we're not paying attention to making the other person feel good. And in addition, I think often early in relationships, people are more open to constructive criticism uh, because they feel so loved that when their loved one says, you know, I think you are a little whatever too uh, argumentative when we're out with other people or you're this or that, or I think you are, you know, to give some feedback, um, people often accept it and welcome it and know it's coming out of love. But when you start to forget to do all the things that make somebody feel good about themselves and then you do then you throw in a lot of negatives, a lot of criticism, it begins to really unravel. I mean criticism erodes love. And I think every you know, every couple therapist, every book on couple therapy will say that. Um the question is, though, so in my work, it's not, it's always better to try to do something, to have people do something that's different, have them learn to express positives, have them learn to be emotionally generous, um, than to get them just to stop doing something. Of course, they have people do it minimize criticism but it's not it's not enough just to stop you really have to do, do something positive milco fm we put the rad in radio Programming on NoCo.fm is supported by its listeners and by Audible.com. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, Audible.com allows you to listen to an immense library of books for every taste on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, tablet, or computer. Audible.com has a special offer for listeners which includes a free audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial. Learn more and get your free audiobook now at noco.fm audible.
0: I am your hero, Corbin David Albaugh, and you can catch me on Corbin vs. The World as I bring you the greatest tunes of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, while saving the world for you and everyone you know, every Friday at 6 o'clock Mountain Time on NOCO FM. It's that relationships, whether it's marriage or just a committed relationship, the thing I think of as you're mm-hmm. saying this is, you know, it's not a free for all. We we wouldn't treat a friend with constant criticism. We wouldn't be critical of a friend or they would yeah. no longer be our friend. Right. And and so it right. sounds like that you Absolutely. know, the same has to be
1: yeah. true in yeah. our
0: primary no, relationships. I, I, I,
1: you have to treat your loved one the way you would treat a friend, literally. And people sometimes are shocked about, you know, that they really no. You can't just say it. it being um, in a committed relationship doesn't mean that you just say anything you feel like. It doesn't mean that you are just um, natural. It means it, you, you know. One of the chapters in my book is called Not in Your Underwear, Please. <laughs> and I don't mean that. I mean, of course, I mean it literally in some way. Like, I think we do have to stay physically, uh, you know, be and clean and attractive in some way. You know, we, we're living with somebody. But I mean it more it, just as much metaphorically, which means you just can't just let yourself go in any way you want and say anything you want. Just, I mean, it's exactly what you said. You have to, you know, you have to treat the other person as if they are a friend. You have to be polite. You have to be careful. You have to be aware of people's feelings. Um, It's not just, you know, a committed relationship doesn't mean just say and do anything you want. It, it, It doesn't work that way. And that I think that is why it unravels. I think sometimes people have a very mistaken idea about being natural and authentic and honest, (laughs) you know, Um, and, uh, you know, and that it's not good.
0: Well, that's, that's just it. I mean, I think you can absolutely be your authentic self and be like you're saying, I mean, you know, we want to be real and, and honest with our partners And yet there really is this thing. And I, I really liked that chapter talking about that, about that. You don't just let yourself go and you don't just say whatever you want to say. And I think you talked about, you know, you know, a couple, someone coming into your office and, you know, the guy saying, well, I have to watch what I say all day at work and I have to. Be so careful then. I don't yeah, want to come right. home and have to be so mindful. Right, right. And yet, you know, we live with one another. And so it doesn't stop at the front door. <laughs> you know, we it's, right, it's right. more important because you're coming home to that same person who is your love, who is your support. Uh, and from what I'm getting from you, it's not about you can't let go and be natural and relax. That relaxing, though, doesn't equal Taking that other person for granted and then treating them mm-hmm. less than you would appear at work. I,
1: you know, I, I think there there are some other things that happen, and I, I don't. Um, you know, I think people need to have, be physical with each other, mm-hmm. and often um, as couples, um, you know, the stresses of life and young children, if they have children, and whatever, and and they they have a, a I think often a mistaken idea that if they're not feeling spontaneous desire, then they, they don't approach the other uh, sexually. In long-term relationships, you really just need to have a willingness to get turned on, uh, a willingness to, that something could happen physically. And it's not just waiting for spontaneous desire, but but it's not just about sex. It's also about being, you know, physically um, affectionate to one another. It's about, you know, your your partner that's, you know, sitting um, at, at his desk, you know, with the computer, and maybe you walk by and you just do a quick, you know, love rub, rubbing his neck first. For you know, a couple of seconds or just here and there, little expressions of physical connectedness. It's yes. just, you know, people, people lose, lose sight of
0: that. I love the part you said too, where you were talking about the difference between sex and lovemaking and how both of those things are so important in a relationship. And if the complaint <laughs> comes in, you know, oh, you know, it's just the sexual act and it's not, doesn't feel very loving we just have sex and then kind of get on with our day or with our night mm-hmm. um, the, the, the simple gestures I loved this part of the book where you said you know, being close and, you know, maybe one person kisses the other person's eyelids, that you mm-hmm. caress them and hold them, and that you can very easily mm-hmm. turn it into lovemaking. You, know, you also said mm-hmm. just pulling up the emotion of, I really love this person deeply and feel connected to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we right. can get caught I, in, in these like, oh, it's sex or it's just lovemaking, but also the important of sometimes... Just that, right.
1: It so, could be both. You can, you, you know, you don't always, you know, I, I, I there are some uh, people who write a, a lot about sex therapy and one person points out, you know, you go out to restaurants, sometimes it's a quick dinner, sometimes it's a, you know, very fancy restaurant, sometimes you're in the mood for this, sometimes you're in the mood for something more elaborate. I mean, it doesn't have to be one or the other.
0: So it's okay to have quickies as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more think, about tuning yeah, I, in with your partner. Yeah,
1: I think, it, yeah, this is, I, think it, I think it can be both. Um, and I, I'm thinking about your very interesting question about why does it unravel. I really think it's a wonderful question, and I, I, I think it is that uh, you know, kind of taking taking each other for granted and mm-hmm. not making, not doing the things that nurture love. And you know I, I don't like I know people often say you have to work at relationships, and I always object to that term because when you do these things it doesn't feel like work it's just being aware it's just I like the way you put it before I think it's just being having more awareness more intentionality yes. of just making the relationship um Making the other person feel good and doing the things that you know, being inclined to be emotionally generous, to, to, to say to you know, that's your default answer when some when your partner says, Oh, do you wanna do this or do that? That that the inclination the default answer should be sure. There may be times when you really don't, but but just sort of being um kind of inclined to say yes is part of what keeps um, a relationship strong. And I, I, I think these people, um, I don't know, get they just lose track of these things. And each of these things is not they're not hard to do. and it's not work. it actually feels it feels good. And if you do it, I think your relationship really becomes um, just much, much stronger. And then, and then you have this well of good feeling or the bank account of, of lots of positives that can help you um, then deal with things that aren't so good.
0: I resonate with that so much. I can't tell you how many times I have said that exact phrase that relationships aren't work, they're intention.
1: Oh, that is so great, because I'm sure you know what I mean. It's just this common phrase, and often couples will come in, and they've heard this phrase, yes, relationships take work. And I always kind of you know, oh, no, it's not work. <laughs> it's not work. I like uh, putting it that way. It's intention. I really like that. I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> yes. Because that's not, I don't usually phrase it that way, but I like it a lot. <laughs> well,
0: because work does have such a negative connotation. And so instead, it's like, how can yeah, we play yeah. more? How can we connect more? How can we have fun together? Mm-hmm. That sounds wonderful. We uh, just have to be intentional yeah, about that. Uh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, uh, see, I think, um, one of my, one of the chapters in, um, towards the end of the book, I think is called, Is This It? Because, you know, it can get boring, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think, I think that people have to do things. I mean, this is not just about, Relationships, I think, for each individual, it's just important to grow and change and try new things, and that's why I think that fits well with being inclined to say yes. So if your partner says, you know, you want to try rock climbing or something, and I don't know, it doesn't, you know, it's nothing you ever (laughs) have much desire to do, you know, give it a try. I mean, whatever, you know, maybe you don't like it, but give it a try. And I, I think just it's, you know, that. It's, uh, it's, just as you said, I think it's it's playing more. You know, often with couples, I'll suggest to them, I, by the way, I'm, I'm not a big fan of date night because I think often date nights are very, um, I don't know, people have date night and they, uh, well, there's, there are good ways to have date night when you really try to talk about other kinds of things, but a lot of times it feels very obligatory. Oh, it's our yeah you know, therapist said we have to have date night. So in, instead of that, though, I think it gets often, especially when when people get into rut routines. Not okay. Not just that they go out Saturday night, maybe every Saturday, Saturday night they go out, but once in a while, just go out during the week. Like do something that just breaks the routine. Maybe you meet. After work, maybe you go get a drink, maybe instead of, maybe you just do something that is not part of your routine. And I think finding ways to break routine is tremendously important. Um, People get into such routines, um, and that's very
0: deadening. Having some spontaneity, being creative, both, both people just adjusting Let's try this or let's meet for this. And so, yeah, that's we, we need stability and we also need novelty in our relationship.
1: Yes, yes, uh, yes, I, I agree. And I think that's the, the way that would translate is that so maybe, uh, maybe one person calls the other during the day and says, you know, I heard uh, there's this movie that's playing or whatever, you know, uh, and, you know, you want to give, you want to try to do that tonight and usually the first answer is no I have work to do I have to stay late or if there's children no we can't get a babysitter you know there's very often people are inclined to say no that's too hard and impossible and I think trying to have a mental set of yeah that would be fun we never do that go to the movies in the middle of the week yeah let's do that you know novelty I like what you said novelty like you need novelty and stability but now she's very
0: important. One of the things that, mm-hmm. that hit me in the book, so we I, we have all these good ideas for now, you know, kind of what will help boost up our relationship and help make it better. One of the things that struck me, though, in one of the earlier chapters of your book is that the saying that no relationship is immune from affairs, no matter how spiritual right. or moral the people are. C- can you talk more about yeah. this? Yes.
1: Yeah. You know, um, some people took issue with that in the book, and I, I, I maybe said it a little too strongly because I do think there are there are people who under no circumstances would ever have an affair, although I do think that now with, um, you know, social media, there are all kinds of emotional affairs and whatever, but I, I, that came out of my experience with people coming in who you know are like pillars of the community and just i think that um it's sometimes very very uh surprising how people can be susceptible to that even even when um you they think they wouldn't be but i think I don't think it always, by any means, comes out of a relationship being um, problematic. I think people have used affairs as a, a way to combat depression, and it's a, a high, and there's all kinds of reasons that somebody can have an affair that really are not because the relationship isn't going well. So, I, I, I think it's, you know, it's not just that. But I think that sometimes. I I've seen people who were so devastated when they found out and fear, like you know that like a woman could lose 20 pounds in like 2 weeks mm-hmm. so devastated because they have an image of like you know it's almost as if I don't know like such it's such enduring love that uh, as as if almost as if um you know, your mother decided, no, I'm going to have a different daughter or something right. like that. You know, like, oh, right. you know what I mean? Right. Like, so, like, like so <laughs> primal. And it's so heartbreaking when that happens. But um, I think that you can't take love for granted. That it isn't, you know, there isn't just absolutely enduring love. Love needs to be nurtured. Yes. Love needs to be nurtured. It must be nurtured. I think that is the essence of the book. Love needs to be nurtured. And so when I said that, like no marriage is immune from affairs, it was probably said a little too strongly. Some people probably would never, ever have an affair. But really what I meant is that you have to nurture You cannot take it for granted. You must nurture
0: love. That's beautiful. And I I agree. I think one of the important things you said in talking about people having affairs is absolutely wonderful people that are good people can be subject to that if you let too much, Mm -hmm. it's like too much water under the bridge and you're not taking the time to pay attention to each other. You're not staying in contact so that it did it's yeah. kind of a wake up call i i felt i didn't feel like it was too strong my mm-hmm. sense was wow this is really important to really take in you know as i as i was you know listening to that i was like i think that is mm-hmm. the essential piece is it's the wake up to consciousness saying i want to be yeah. a conscious participant in this relationship and so i yeah. am helping my partner to feel not only supported but seen and appreciated and I'm going to come with intention at every day showing up for my relationship. I think that's, that's yeah, the essential yeah, piece I'm hearing yeah. from you.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But as I said, I love the way you're putting
0: it. I'm going to
1: borrow your phrases. I love your, I love your saying conscious and intentional. Those aren't words that I have used, but I love them. They're totally right. It's, totally, you totally capture what my book is about.
0: Totally. Oh, thank you. Listening to this has just been such a treat. Listening to your book and then, you know, getting to visit with you about this. Um, because this really is the essential stuff for all of us. We're, we're all in relationship. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I can even see how some of yeah. this would work in meaningful friendships. You know, it's it's really how we want to be living through our hearts and connecting with one another. And I'm yes. so thankful for yes. your guidance in a book like this and for the work you do in the world, Ellen. Oh, thank you so much. If I had one last thing I wanted to ask you about to kind of share with the audience. <laughs> mm-hmm. During one chapter, you talk mm-hmm. about tips, five tips for getting through to your partner and five tips for listening to complaints and avoiding irrational arguments. Can you just give us a general sense of that though? How, because I think that is, is one of those pieces that's so applicable to relationships across the board in our lives.
1: Right, right, right. Well, one thing is that you need to package your, what you're saying so that for instance, let's say you feel like your partner is not being responsible, like not, not following through on, you know, you give, you, they say they'll do something and they are not following through on it, you know. So, so you would say you, one tip is to contextualize it. So you would say, Look, I know that you are very responsible in many ways. I know that you take care of this or that. I'm not saying that this is something you always do, but it's troubling to me that in this area, I feel like you don't, you know, you don't follow through. Um, and it, it upsets me. So, so that's a very important, um, tip, which is that you make sure that you're, acknowledging the strengths that you know the good stuff and not um that you have to be again going back to your words of intentionality and being very conscious of what you're doing i think it's being conscious of how you are saying things
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: um and making sure that the other person understands that this is um you know, it's in the, in the context of that you, you can see the larger picture too. Like one thing, uh, uh, just another thing, to, that's very, very helpful. I say it a couple couples all the time. You begin to feel like, uh oh, this is, we're having the kind of discussion that never goes anywhere, that just leads to an argument. Um, feeling it happening and you often feel it in your body like oh this is feeling bad mm-hmm. well one thing is to learn to recognize that and to disengage and say you know what let's talk about this later let me think about what you just said you think about what i just said and let's try again later we're not getting anywhere like to, but but to try to, you know, not to say it. And I mean, of course, you're upset and it will come out a little angry. But then, when you take the break, not to then, you know, just sit and stew and just. But really think about: was there anything that you're? You know, the person said that was kind of right, sort of right, maybe you could agree with. And the more you can find, I mean, one of the things I say to couples in sessions all the time is, I want you to listen with the mental set of, is there anything that the other person is saying that you can join with, that you can agree with? And start with what you agree with. You know, start with what you agree with.
0: I love that tip. And and that's one of the takeaways that I'm going to uh use. In, in my own practice, because I, I love that idea, listening mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. that positive content, so that you're you're looking yeah. for what you can yeah. agree with again. So it's not just this black or white, you know, experience. So I have mm-hmm. to absolutely agree with you, or I absolutely have to defend right. myself. That that's where that right. common ground right. lies, and th- yes. that just sounds like so important. And the other piece I just want to emphasize that I say to couples as well is the importance of feeling inside of your body. Like you just said, knowing when you're the one getting triggered or when you're getting activated and you, Mm -hmm. you know, this is Mm -hmm. not going to end well. And to, to Mm -hmm. call for that timeout, because you're not going to, neither one of you are going to solve it in reactive mind. So, you know, I always think of that Einstein quote, we can't solve a problem with the same mindset that we got into it with. So we're not going to problem solve now. Let's really think about this. Let's go away. Um, I care about this conversation. I can just tell that I'm I'm getting angry or I'm getting upset. I don't want to say something I don't mean. So instead of being
1: reactive, I want to go back in and be
0: responsive.
1: You really have to remember that harsh words, they can really last a long time. It's often hard for people to get over it. And you just have to be very, very careful. And if you find, just like you said, if you find yourself feeling agitated, take a break. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's very, it's not good to say really cruel things. You have to try to remember this is a person you care about, this person you love. Um, And not to say cruel things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not the free for all, like we said earlier. No the last question I Mm -hmm. want to ask you is what would be the one thing if there were one ingredient that would be the one that helps make love last? What would that be?
1: Every day of your life, think about how you are going to make your partner, the person you're with feel good about himself or herself every day of your life. Mm. That that, if you keep that in mind, that, I am going to always make this person that I, I want them to feel good about themselves. That doesn't mean you will not have complaints and anger and whatever, but included in your interaction every single day is that you say something that enhances the person's ego Mm -hmm. because this, you know, this is where we began. We fall in love with people who make us feel good about ourselves. We meet somebody, they think we're terrific, they're great, they see wonderful traits in us, they laugh at our jokes, they think we're attractive, they find us interesting. They make us feel good about ourselves and we fall in love with the person who makes us feel good about ourselves. But we also stay in love with people who make us feel good about ourselves so if you keep that in mind it doesn't mean you're not going to have fights it doesn't mean you're not going to be disappointed in certain things but you know you keep yourself really again i'll borrow your words very intentionally and with intentionality look for the things that you can say and the feedback you can give that just gives your partner a you know, some strokes
0: every day. The book is We Love Each Other, But... It's about how to make love last. Ellen, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Well, thank you. I really enjoyed talking to you and you asked wonderful questions, Stephanie. I really enjoyed it.
0: Making love last. It sounds like it's an art, and in some ways it is an art form. When we're painting a picture, we take care to be very intentional about the lines, the colors, the dimension of things. And so should we in our relationships, paying attention to our partners, what makes them tick, what brings them joy and being intentional about the way that we want to help them feel joy, just like we did in the beginning of the relationship. We want to help make them feel important, listened to, and supported. My talk with Ellen Wachtel was absolutely a wonderful experience of reflecting the importance of seeing the good in our relationships of going back and remembering those things that brought us together in the first place and seeing what of those things are evident now. What things are still being enacted? What things still make us feel good that our partners do? It's a day to day commitment. It's something that we commit to and we have intentions of and that that doesn't mean it's the same old, same old, quite the opposite. It's about infusing our relationships with novelty, spontaneity, and really dropping out of our egos and seeing our partner as someone that's truly a friend and treating them just like we would our very best friends. Also, I think an important piece was learning how to deal with when conflict comes up and knowing that at times, we do have to talk about difficult subjects. And if we get too triggered, it's important that we stop and take a break and we can say, let's get back to this later and how important this is, but that I want to go back and really reflect about it before we get into a fight. As I talked to Ellen, I realized that there really is hope for us. There really is hope for relationships and making love last from our sex and lovemaking to our intimate chats to our spontaneous dates There are so many ingredients that can help revive our relationships and make them more fulfilling, more connected, and bring more love to the world. That's what we all need. That's what it's all about. This journey for all of us is all about love. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain, and podcast episodes are released the same day. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NoCo Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James.